Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, stay standing on your feet. I want to read our text for this morning. We're in a series called Discovering Jesus. We're talking about who he is and what he's done for us. And the the story I want to talk about is found in Luke chapter 19. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. I'm reading out of the amplified version, but just so you know, I'm not a faker. This is the NLT. I just kind of copied and pasted right here. I just don't want to come across super holy. I'm just letting you know that it's right here. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus? Come on, you remember that story growing up? Like Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little... Yeah, okay. Anyway, he was a chief tax collector and a superintendent to whom others responded and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, he, see who Jesus was, but he could not see because of the crowd for he was short in stature. And so he drove the biggest Ford F-150 he could find. So he ran on ahead of the crowd and he climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass that, that way. He was doing whatever he could to get a glimpse of Jesus. When Jesus reached the place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down for today. I must stay. Don't miss that. I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried down, came down and welcomed him with joy. When the people saw it, they all began muttering in discontent. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, see Lord, I am now giving half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will give back four times as much. Look at what Jesus said today. Salvation has come to this man's house. That's my prayer today. The salvation would come to your house. That if you're in the room or you're online today, that you would have an encounter with God that is undeniable. That you would sense his presence, that salvation would come to your house because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus did not come to establish a religion. Jesus did not come to set up some organization. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we are going to be followers of Jesus, then it should be the mission of our heart. It should be the passion of our soul to seek and save that which was lost. In fact, if you didn't know it, you came into a church today that believes it's our mission to seek and save that which was lost. This is not a cruise ship so you can belly up to the buffet and gain 10 pounds. This is a battleship so you can man a station. Come on, we came to seek and save. We are not here to placate to preferences. We are not here to bottle feed baby Christians. We are here on the mission of Jesus to seek and save that which was lost. Come on, give him praise. God, I pray that today we would come alongside what you are doing in this earth. That we would be challenged and convicted like never before. That we are on the mission of, of the mission that you came 
to this earth for? To seek and save the lost. And I pray today for those in this room that feel lost, that feel a hundred miles from you, that they would understand that you are so much closer than they think. God, we pray that salvation would come into homes today, would come into hearts today. God, we pray that people would leave here differently transformed by the gospel of Jesus. And we just pray, God, that we can come alongside what you're doing and be a part of that mission like never before. In Jesus' name, everybody say, come on, amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat. We're gonna have church today. Hey, before I dive into uh, the text, uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to a concert or a, a sporting event and you got your ticket and you paid the price for it and you went and found your seat and then right in front of you, directly in your line of sight, someone comes and sits down with a big old melon head right in front of you. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? Like back in 1992, I bought a ticket for $37 to go see Dave Matthews Band. That's how much it cost back then. And I can't believe I just said that. I'm now turning into that person that says, well, back in the day, tickets were. But I did, because I was going to get my you know, answer marching on, and I was all ready to go. And right in front of me, this giant man kind of sat down, and I spent the entire concert tilting my head from one side to the next, trying to see what I came to see. Are you with me? And I was thinking about that and how often in our lives we do the same thing. We can't clearly see the place we're trying to go or what it is we are trying to do because of some barrier, because of some fog, because of something that's, that's blocking our view. Now, it might not be a physical thing. It might not be some giant melon head sitting right in front of you. It could be more of a mental barrier. And maybe for some of you, every day you wake up and you fight these these negative internal dialogue that you have in your mind telling you all the things that you're not. Telling you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not you know popular enough, whatever it is. And you, you think to yourself, if I could just get past this barrier, then maybe I could take a step forward. Or maybe it's in a relationship. That you're trying to move ahead, you're trying to advance, you feel like in the, the marriage, you're tilting your head from one side to the next, trying to see a way through. It could be in any area of your life. It could be in your career, your finances, your education, but there is this barrier that's blocking your vision, keeping you from seeing where you want to go. Or people will say, what about my future? I can't see the future. I don't know what God wants me, wants me to do. And maybe you can't always articulate what that barrier is. You can't put your finger on what it is, but it's blocking your view. And you can't see clearly. And I would propose to us today that the thing that we need to see clearly above anything and above all else is Jesus. Amen. It's the person of Jesus. Because in this series, we're talking about discovering Jesus, who he is and, and what he did. And we can't follow him closely until we see him clearly. And so maybe you don't need to see your future. You don't need to see that clearly. What you need to do is see Jesus clearly, who's already in your future. Are you with me? Maybe you don't need to see the, the answer to that problem that you're facing. You don't have to see that if you would just see Jesus who the Bible says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And so, like, obviously, in other words, if you just look to him, he has the answers for the problems that you need. If we would just get a clear picture of Jesus, everything else would come into focus. We get our eyes fixed on him, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. If he's the author of my life, then I need to look to him. So maybe 
I don't need to see all this other stuff. I just need to see Jesus clearly. And here's what I submit. The entire world is looking for him. Now, you might not put it in those terms. They might not say that. They might not say that that's who they're, they're looking for, but they are trying to find something and see something that would fill the emptiness in their life. And so what do we do? We run to success thinking that's going to fill the emptiness. We run to, to you know, pleasure thinking that's going to fill the, the emptiness in my, my life. We're trying to see if this thing is the thing that's finally going to fulfill me. And then how many of you know, oftentimes whenever we get that thing, it's not enough. And so we search somewhere else. And then we find out that that's not enough either because it was going to be enough that I get into that college. It was going to be enough. And then you got into that college and you discovered that ain't enough. It didn't fulfill what you thought it was going to fulfill. You thought that, you know, if I get that date, then that's going to be enough. And then you got that date and that joker was a loser. And you're like, that ain't enough. You're not going to find something else. Or, you know, it could be anything in your, your life, whatever, that promotion, that's going to be enough. That raise, that'll, that'll be enough. And you learn that, you know, that lasted for a little while, but ultimately that wasn't enough. And it's like we always chase this invisible line of enough that it's constantly moving. And we feel like if we can just catch it, then we'll, we'll be fulfilled and we keep chasing it. But I submit if we just catch Jesus, then we would be fulfilled. We would have peace. We would have contentment in our life. We would have joy on the inside of us. And I believe the entire world is looking for him. But they might not say it like that. But as they are looking for him, how many of you know some things are blocking their view? Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Why? Because he was desperate to see Jesus. And I believe that people are climbing all kinds of things today in order to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. But you know what I've discovered is often the, the greatest barrier to people seeing Jesus that blocks their view the most, it's been the church. Because a lot of times people have been searching for Jesus, but what they found was judgment. They've been searching for Jesus, but they found right, self-righteousness, or they, they found condemnation. They've been told, you know, you're not this enough, or you're not that enough, or you don't look the part, or you don't, you're not wearing the right thing, or you're, you're not, you know, using the right language, or, or you're, you have too many, you know, too much ink on you, and so you got to cover that up, or, or you're not the, you're not the right, you're not the right color. And people wouldn't say that openly. They'd never say that openly. But how many of you know, you don't have to say something in order to sense something. And so a lot of times people are looking for Jesus, but they're finding judgment instead. Condemnation, self-righteousness from people who, who want to pretend like they have it all together, who act one way in public, by the way, and another way in private, who live this self-righteous shell of a life. Look how smart I am, or look how I got it all together, or look how well I pray. Instead of saying, you know what? I got issues and you got issues. I'm broken and you're broken. So just coming and being authentic. When Jesus said, I came to, to, to save the world, not to condemn the world. But they're looking for, for Jesus. And for some reason, and I'm not throwing a blanket statement out of there. And I don't, I'm not saying that this is this church at all. But for some reason, historically, the followers of Jesus have taken it upon themselves to be the Holy Spirit in the world. And to be the condemner of people, telling you know, people everything that they're doing wrong and talking about all the things that God is, is against. And I'm just tired of it. 
then I'm tired of the church telling people what God is against. I want to tell some people what God is for. God is for you. God has a plan for your life. God wants to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, right? He who began a good work in you will finish that work. He will carry it on to completion. So if you don't like me today, hey, wait a month. I'm a work in progress. If you don't like me a month from today, wait a year. I'm a work in progress. Are you with me? You don't like me today, wait till tomorrow because God's not done with me yet. But oftentimes people are looking for Jesus and they're finding judgment. And we have a good God with good grace. And so I don't know what Zacchaeus was coming to see that day. The text doesn't tell us exactly what he was looking for. And I would uh, not dare, you know, superimpose something on the text that wasn't there because that would be, that's bad preaching. But whatever he had heard about Jesus caused this wealthy man, this tax collector, to put himself in a position of embarrassment and climb a tree. Because remember, the Bible says he wasn't just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. So he was rich. And so everything was about appearance. In fact, in this culture and in this time, you know, it was all about your appearance and how you perceive me. Is how I, I want to come across. I want to come across as, as wealthy and I want to come across as having it all together. How many of you know not a lot has changed in 2,000 years? Hello, Facebook. Hello, Instagram. How you perceive me is more important than the real me. And so Zacchaeus was willing to undignify himself to the place where he would climb a tree and act like a, a child to see Jesus. Why? Because something motivated him. And something stirred on the inside of him. I don't know if he had heard that this man opens blind eyes and he was doing everything he could to see him. I don't know if he heard that this man associated with sinners. He's called a friend of sinners. And Zacchaeus for his whole life has been called probably the worst kind of sinner. I don't know if he had heard that he was the Messiah. That he was going to come and, and you know rescue the the nation of Israel out of oppression from the Roman Empire at that time. I don't know if he heard he was a great teacher and then he was flipping over the, the religious system on its head and he was ruffling the feathers of the religious. Whatever he had heard was so motivating that he would climb a tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus, to see him. And I don't imagine, I, I don't know what he, he thought he would see. Here's what I do know that he saw and that's grace. This amazing Grace that was embodied in the person of Jesus. In fact, if you're a note taker, write this down. Grace by definition, best definition I've ever heard, is God's unmerited favor. In other words, it's God's favor on your life for no reason at all. Other than he wanted to, to give it to you. He wanted to give it away. It's his unmerited favor. So when something good happens in your life, it would be appropriate for you to say, it's only by the grace of God. That that's happened, right? Are you with me? The, the fact that you woke up today, you could say, it's just the grace of God. The fact that you have, you know, air in your lungs, it's only by the grace of God. The fact that blood is coursing through your veins, it's only by the, the grace of God. The fact that you're in this church listening to this phenomenal preaching is only by the... Hey, listen, I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to see if you'll play along. You know, if you're, if you're awake or not. Um, but I'm not kidding if you were here on Sisterhood on Friday night. Come on, that was, let's go. That's a word right there. Grace is different than mercy. 
See, mercy is God withholding something from you and from me that we deserved. Grace is God giving you something that you don't deserve. And so it's mercy that God would withhold the penalty of sin from us. He would would put that on his son on on the cross that I could receive by grace then and by faith I received something that I did not deserve. Are you with me? Mercy is God is not giving you something that you deserved, that he's just holding it back. And I think sometimes we don't celebrate the mercy of God enough in our life because we don't understand the degree or the level to which God's, like our sin separates us from him. It disconnects us from him. The Bible says that he is a holy God and that our sin separates us from him. And again, that's not a condemning statement. That's the reality of humanity, right? We were all born with sin. If you don't believe me, you're not a parent, right? We, you didn't have to teach your kids to lie. You didn't have to teach your kids how to, how to sin. They just knew it. And so because God is holy, he can't even be around our sin. He can't look upon our sin. He can't, you know, uh, be with our sin. But in his mercy, he said, I can't live that way. I can't live in separation from the people that I created. So in his mercy, he gave us his son. He gave us something. And he withheld something that we deserve, which was the payment for the penalty of our sin. That's Jesus' death on the cross. That's Good Friday. Are you with me? In fact, it's not just Good Friday. It's the greatest Friday in the history of the world because it's the greatest act of mercy and grace we've ever seen. But grace is God's unmerited favor for our life. And I don't know what Zacchaeus was looking for, but I know what he found. He found grace. And I believe that today when people are looking for Jesus, trying to get a glimpse of him, trying to to see him, they're not going to climb a tree. They are going to look for a Christian. They're going to look for a Christ follower. They're going to look for someone who says, I'm with I'm with Jesus, and I don't know what they've seen up to this point. But I know what they should see. They should see grace, not condemnation. They should see grace, not not self-righteousness. They should see grace, not judgment. And that's what Zacchaeus got. He got what he did not deserve. You know, everybody that day wanted to be with Jesus. Everybody wanted Jesus to come to their house. Everybody wanted to have a meal with Jesus. But Jesus goes, Zacchaeus, get down here. Right now, hurry up because I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to eat with you. I want to give you four things I see in this text real quick about grace. So if you're a note taker, write these down. If you're not a note taker, write these down. Start right now, okay? Here we go. Grace shows up. I know that doesn't sound very deep. But how many of you know it's extremely hard to live? Grace just shows up. The Bible tells us in verse one that Jesus was just passing through. But one thing you'll discover about Jesus is that he never did anything by chance. He was always on a a mission. If you remember the story with Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria, the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria. Well, that's not accurate. Like technically speaking, geographically speaking, he did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jews would not go through Samaria. They would avoid it, but he had to go through it because he was on a mission. He had to go through it because there was a divine appointment waiting for him. Jesus was passing through Jericho, not some random town. He was not just taking a detour. This was not a disruption in his life. He was passing through because he had a divine appointment. Are you with me? 
And sometimes what you see as a detour or as a disruption to your life could be God positioning you for a divine appointment. But Jesus showed up. He showed up. And I think one of the most grace-filled things you and I could do to, to be Jesus to people so people could see Jesus in our life is to simply show up. But a lot of times we don't. And we don't for a number of different reasons. We don't, you know, we have all these kinds of excuses why we don't show up. Some of us, we don't show up because we're like, I, I don't know what to say. Maybe when someone's hurting, when someone's going through it, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Or I don't really have a chapter or verse that I can point to to help them. I've discovered in my life when someone's hurting, when they are living in the messiness of life, when they are struggling with life, they don't need any of that. They just need you to show up. Are you with me? They need you to call them up and say, hey, I'm coming over right now. Not to call them up or text them and say, well, if you need anything, let me know. Don't put the onus on them. You just show up. Grace shows up. Grace says, I'm going to come over. I'm going to sit down with you. We'll get in my car. We'll drive around the block. We'll, we'll get in the car. You don't have to say anything. We'll drive to, to Titty Ute and back. And I don't even know why they named it Titty Ute, but we'll drive there and we'll drive back because I'm just going to show up in your life. But my concern is that the church has adopted this approach that when the bombshell goes off in someone's life, you know what I mean? When, when they have that day, maybe when there's a, a separation or an addiction that has blown up or, or, or there's a death in the family, could be anything. When the bomb goes off, a lot of times people go, I don't want to get near that. I don't want to touch that. Like it's going to be some sort of infection that rubs off on them. But when people are hurting, they just need you to show up. They need you to say, I'm in your driveway right now. Come outside. They need you to say, tomorrow we're going to get coffee. At this time, let's go. Grace just shows up. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes the followers of Jesus who have experienced grace... Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced this, this, this unmerited favor of God in your life. The people that have that grace, who've experienced that grace, who have the ability to help and to heal someone, to meet them in their time of need, live often life at such a surface level where uh, like you're walking through something, it could be a separation, it could be an addiction through whatever, and people know you're walking through it, but when you run into them, it's like they ignore it altogether. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just know they don't wanna get involved in the mess of your life. And so they'll keep the conversation up here. They'll, they'll run into you and say, hey, how's it going? Aren't you glad the weather is turning finally? And they'll talk about movies, they'll talk about you know, sports, they'll talk about you know, airspeed velocity of unladen swallows, they'll talk about like anything and everything, shout out to Monty Python, anything and everything to avoid having to say, hey, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's happening in your life. Do you have a minute? I have a minute. Can we just talk? Tell me what's, what's happening. When did we become so um, like busy that we could not show up in someone's life? Grace shows up. It just shows up no, no matter what. And I just want to be that church that shows up. In fact, I want us to have the reputation of, you know what, that church, they just show up. Come on, in their craziness, in the mess, in the middle of it, they just, they just show up. 
Why? Because when people are looking for Jesus, whether or not they would would put it in those terms, if they could just see a a good picture of, of who he is, if they could just see a good picture of what grace looks like, then they would go, you know what? That's what I've been looking for this whole time. That's what I've needed. In fact, I didn't think Jesus was about that. I thought he was about judgment and condemnation. But because you showed up, you showed me a good picture of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Not only does grace show up, but grace sees beyond the current condition. She's beyond your current condition. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. That's what it tells us in verse 2. Which means he was in charge of tax collection in the region of Jericho. And that might not seem like a a big deal, by the way, April 15th is coming, heads up on that. But the way tax collection worked in this season was you would have to go to Rome to buy the ability to buy the rights to collect taxes in your region. Because Rome was kind of taking over the, the known world at the time because of their strength, because of the size of their army, because of their weaponry. I mean, they were just kind of taking over everything and oppressing these, these towns and, and taxing them. And so someone, a Jew, would go to Rome and buy the ability to sell out his own people and to tax them. And so he would charge them Rome's tax, but then also overtax them, and that's how he got his cut. And so that's who Zacchaeus was. He was a a tax collector, and as the chief, he had people underneath him. So not only was he a sellout to his own people, but he was causing other people to sell out their own people. Are you with me? So he was hated. He was an outcast. Nobody would hang out with him, except maybe the other tax collectors if they they had to. Like he was the worst kind of, of sinner, but Jesus didn't see that. He didn't see that he was a tax collector. He didn't see that that he was an outcast. He didn't just see that he was a a wealthy man. He didn't see that he was a sinner, which was everyone else was calling him. Look at the notorious sinner, right? And had probably been calling him his entire life. What Jesus saw in him was his potential. Because Jesus looks beyond our current position and condition and sees our potential. And can I tell you something? Jesus cares way more about who you're becoming than who you are right now. He cares way more about about your potential and who you can become than even what you've done in your past. And so he sees beyond that. I love what John Maxwell does, the leadership guru. He says, anytime he meets someone, he envisions that they have a 10, a number 10 on their head. And then he says, he speaks to the 10. No matter what's happening in their life, no matter if they're winning, and no, no matter whatever is going on in their life, he speaks to their potential. He speaks to, I see a 10 in you. I see a winner in you. Grace sees beyond someone's current condition. Well, Colby, I don't know if I could do that with someone. I'd I'd just be making stuff up. No, you wouldn't. You'd be speaking to their potential. Well, I don't don't do that. I just tell people like it is. I keep it real. Can I tell you something? The enemy is telling them all the time what they're not. They need somebody filled with grace to show up and tell them what they are are or what they can be. Are you with me? Like, I think people get enough hell all week long that they need to get a little bit of heaven when they encounter people of grace. They encounter people who would say, you know what? I see, I know you're winning or losing right now, but I see a winner in you. I know you feel like things are falling apart right now, but his mercies are new with the morning. The joy comes in the morning, right? Like, I want us to be that kind of church. That speaks to the potential of people. Let's people know who they can become. And by the way, not just in here on the weekends, but out in the street, out in the city. I want people to say, you know what? Those Elevate people are the 
craziest bunch of idiots I've ever met in my life. Always talking about God's goodness, always talking about his faithfulness, always talking about he's a plan and purpose for me. Are you with me? Like, let's get that reputation, not the idiot part, but the other part. Let's get that reputation. And here's what you'll discover as you do that. It does something in your life. Because the economics of the kingdom are whatever you sow, you reap. And so if you need to be built up, hey, why don't you try building someone up? If you need to be encouraged, why don't you take a minute to encourage someone else? I promise you, you will reap the benefits of what you sow into other people's life. Grace shows up. Grace looks beyond our current condition. Here's number three. Grace is willing to be misunderstood. And I'll throw a caveat in here by religious people. Because non-religious people won't care. In fact, non-religious people will think you're awesome. They'll, they'll, they'll love you, but religious people, they won't understand you, and so they'll attack you. Zacchaeus was an outcast. Look at it with me in verse 5. He was a sellout. He was a sinner. And tax collectors were called the sinners of the worst kind. I told you why. But don't miss the power of this moment when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down here. Hurry down here right now. I'm coming to your house and he didn't just say, I'm going to pass through. I'm going to, you know, quickly eat and run. And I got some other things to do. He said, I'm going to stay at your house. And to stay with someone in this culture was to affirm their life. And so Jesus, in front of this crowd, in this moment, to this crowd of people, they believe Jesus is saying, I affirm what this man is doing to you. I affirm his life. What they did not understand, what, what, what Jesus was doing in the moment, Jesus was willing to risk being misunderstood by the crowd in order to reach this one man. And you and I, if we're going to be on the mission of Jesus, we have to be willing to, to risk being misunderstood in order to reach the one. Listen, I don't have any PR to uphold. Elevate Church doesn't have this, this image that we have to carry. We are willing to be misunderstood. We are willing to reach the lost at, at any cost. I don't know how many times I've heard this, and you've probably heard this too. Oh, you go to that church. Yes, I do. Oh, you pastor that church. You lead that. I heard they let anybody come in that church. Yes, we do. Red, yellow, black, white, they are all precious. Come on, I heard you let anybody come. Absolutely broken, business owner, think you got it all together. Convict, ex-convict, current convict, drug addict, ex-addict, are you with me? Anybody is welcome at the table of Jesus. Anybody. It's because of his grace. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. You've had an abortion, you're welcome here. You're dealing with identity issues. You're welcome here. Amen. You're dealing with sexuality struggles. You are, are welcome here. I'm willing to be misunderstood by people. I don't care if it's the fact that I'm 46 years old now. I just don't care anymore. I don't care what people say. I don't care what, what people post. God's word says that the fear of man is a snare. But the fear of God leads to life and liberty. Like, I'm done worrying about saving face. I'm just, I just want to be faithful Amen. to the mission that God's given us. And so you got to be willing to be misunderstood by 
religious people, you're hanging out with them? You take them to coffee? You would, you would invite them to church? Of course. And listen, uh, if you're a guest here, number one, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Um, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> this will give you a little bit of insight into the way I think. This next week, there are going to be people coming back to church that haven't been to church in a year. Because it's Easter. And that's not bad or good. And that's not, I'm not knocking that. It just is what it is. And, and there are going to be people that walk through these doors that have never been to church in their life. And yes, that is possible. And it happens all the time here in the city. They've never been to church. And from the moment they get on the parking lot to the time they're in this room, they need to feel like they are, I would say welcome, but you know what I'm talking about. Not just welcome wanted here because there's a big difference. Because people can belong here before they even believe. And so you are, are, are welcome here. And it has to be more than, than that. You have to feel like you are, are wanted here. A lot of places say they're welcoming, but don't make you feel wanted. And so you got to feel like you are, are wanted here. Like welcome home can't just be a sign on a wall or, or, or some letters on a t-shirt. It has to be, man, I feel like, like you can pull a seat up to the table because we are so glad you're here. Are you with me? Hey, you got scars? Pull a seat up to the table. So do I. You got issues? Pull a seat up to the table. So do I. You got you know, mental patterns that are negative, that, that aren't godly. You're thinking about things. Well, I do too. Pull a seat up to the table because you are wanted here. You're wanted. And so people have to feel that way. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about a character named Mephibosheth. Say that six times. And he ends, he's the grandson of, of King Saul. Uh, he's the son of Jonathan. And uh, Mephibosheth, he was being carried out of, of, of his house or someplace when there was a battle going on by his, his nurse was carrying him and she fell and like he became crippled in both his legs. Just both of them broken, you know, couldn't walk. And so Mephibosheth is crippled and then David ends up becoming the king of the nation of Israel. And so when he became king, he said, is there anyone in Saul's line that I can show grace to or favor to that because of my, my relationship with Jonathan, his son, that he, he cared deeply about. And so he discovered that Mephibosheth was still alive, Jonathan's son. And he was still, he was crippled in both legs. He discovered he was off living in some kind of remote place. And David said, I want you to bring him back. Bring him back. I want you to restore. This is what God does. I want you to restore everything that belongs to him. I want you to redeem that. And I want him to, to have dinner at my table. He says he's going to have dinner with the king. And again, this is such a great picture of what Jesus does because Mephibosheth came before David and he got on his knees and said, don't kill me. In fact, what he said, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 9, he said, I'm, I'm just a dirty dog. I'm a filthy dog. Don't kill me. Because in this period, if you were, you know, kind of in the family of the previous king, chances are they would kill you because they thought you were going to usurp the throne. And so Mephibosheth is like, don't kill me. And David's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to cook for you. And he invites him to have a seat at the table. And what happens when this crippled man in both legs comes and sits at the table of the king, the table covers his crippledness. It covers his brokenness. It covers his hurt. It covers his issues. And that's what Jesus does for you. He invites you to come to the table with hurts and all, warts and all, bruises and all. Are you with me? And he covers it. Everyone is welcome to the seat, to have a seat at the table of Jesus. But you gotta be willing sometimes 
to be misunderstood. And if you're trying to uphold some image, trying to be somebody online, can I tell you something? People see through that and they also will not see Jesus in that. If you're more concerned with likes on Facebook or followers on Instagram or ratios of followers or, or number of streams on your, your podcast, they won't see Jesus. And again, I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm in my 40s and I just don't care anymore. But when people are like, look, you got some hate mail on social media, I don't care. You just got to get over that stuff. Well, that's that church that lets anybody in there. In fact, I've heard this before. That's that church that I went there once, and I know there's a guy greeting people at the door. He's not even a Christian. First of all, how do you know Holy Spirit? (laughs) Second of all, right, secondly, maybe he's he's not leading anything. He's not teaching anything, but maybe he just wanted to see if the people that he surrounds himself are for real and they're authentic. And maybe it would be a great thing for him to be surrounded by people who love him and will pray for him and will look after him and care for him. Are you with me? And he loves people and he smiles when they come. I know some Christians that have never smiled in their life before. I wouldn't put it at a door. It's like if they're happy, they need to notify their face. Are you with me? Are you serious? I'm okay being misunderstood by the crowd in an effort to reach the one, to reach the one. I don't care what people think. I care what the right people think. I care what my wife thinks and my mom. That's about it. But here's the deal. If grace will will show up and grace will see beyond someone's current condition of their life and, and is willing to be misunderstood, then it leads to this one. Grace changes everything. Everything. See, I read this story as a, as a young lad of Zacchaeus, but I always missed this right here. I always, I always assumed that the, the proclamation that he made to say, you know what? I'm going to give half away. I'm going to give it to the poor. Uh, If I've hurt anybody, if I've wronged anybody, in fact, in the original language, it's this sense of, I know I have cheated people. That's what he's saying. So if I've done that, then I'm going to give back four times the amount to them. And I always assumed that he said that like after he had spent the day with Jesus. Like after Jesus came over and after they had a meal and maybe they were, you know, sitting together, you know, and just kind of talking. And he's like, you know what? And I can't help it. But according to this version and several other versions that I read, that's not what happened. You wanna know what happened? Grace showed up. Grace looked beyond his current condition and the title that he had as, as tax collector and sinner. And Grace was willing to be misunderstood by the crowd that was saying he's a sinner, not Jesus didn't care what anybody thought. And this is what the Bible says in verse seven. The crowd began muttering. And one scholar says that this is, uh, the meaning of that word gives the idea of bees kind of buzzing. Buzz, buzz. There's just crowd was just buzzing, running their mouth saying, you know what? He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Buzz, buzz, buzz. And Jesus was like, I don't care about the bees. How many of you know sometimes you got to swat the bees? 
And so he swatted the bees. And immediately, verse 8, Zacchaeus, it says, stopped. When he had heard this, when he heard them talking about what he was and his condition as a sinner, it says he stopped and said it, Lord, like right here in front of everybody, he had made this public declaration, Lord, I am now, right now, I'm going to give half of everything you've given me to the poor. If I've wronged anybody, God, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right four times over. And don't miss this. Jesus had not spent the day with him. Jesus hadn't gone to his house. Jesus hadn't had a meal with him. They hadn't sat down and had a heart to heart and discussed everything that was wrong in his life. Jesus simply showed up. He didn't say more than just a few words to him. But because he showed up and it changed everything in that moment. So my question for us today, when people are trying to see Jesus and experience Jesus and they're climbing up whatever they can to see him, climbing up whatever they can to fulfill that thing that's missing in their life and they get a glimpse of you, what do they see? What do they see? Do they have a clear picture of who Jesus was? Do you show up? Are you willing to be misunderstood? Do you, do you look beyond someone's current condition? Because you've been given grace, follower of Jesus. You've been given grace. And it's not just for you. It's meant to flow through you to the world around you. So what do people see when they see you? Let's do this. Would you stand to your feet? We're just going to take a little quick inventory. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Grace is the unmerited favor of God in your life. And if you're a follower of Christ, you've been given it. You know what it means to have freedom in your life, that your sins aren't being held against you. You've been given mercy because we're a sinner. We've been given mercy. And so God is withholding something from us that we deserve because our sin separates us from him. And so you, above anybody else, Christ followers should know what it's like to have that grace and to extend that grace to others around you. That's what gives people a clear picture of Jesus. But if you've never received that grace, let me just tell you something, it's a free gift. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't work enough for it. But God determined there was no way he wanted to have a relationship. And he didn't have a relationship with you and he was gonna make it right. And so he sent his son to die for us. And when we receive that grace, that gift of grace by faith, then we're saved. And so maybe you've never crossed that line of faith and received that. Jesus sacrificed to pay for your sin, past, present, and future. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. Or maybe you've been so far from God and just now you're coming back to Him. And you want to get this right with Him. Well, the Bible says as we confess Him as Lord, we believe in our heart, God raised Him from the dead. And we would receive that free gift 
of grace. I want to lead you in a prayer that does that. If you'd say, Colby, I'm praying that with you right now. Would you just throw your hand up high? Just be bold. Wherever you are, just say, yep, yep, that's me. That's me. Right now, I want to receive that gift of salvation, that free gift through grace. God bless you. God bless all of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even online right now, you can let us know. Throw up a hand online. We're going to pray this together. In fact, you can put your hands down, church. Let's pray out loud with those around today. Let's encourage each other with this prayer. Let's say something like this. Pray with me. Jesus, today, I give you my life. Thank you for grace. Thank you for giving me something I did not deserve. I repent of my sin and I confess you as Lord and I will follow you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, celebrate with those. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.